I confess. Before visiting this guy I had been fucking in Berlin, I went to the salon for my first wax. I didn't know what to ask for, so I just told her to leave a little bit. When I arrived and the fun was about to commence, he took one look at my pussy and informed me that it had a Hitler stash. <laughs> in Germany. Awesome. Sex. Almost everybody does it, and almost nobody talks about it, except at Bedpost Confessions, a live storytelling series based in Austin, Texas. Whether the performers are funny, informative, political, or completely personal, the anonymous confessions from the audience are the stars of every show. Stories heard at Bedpost Confessions explore themes of sexuality, gender identity, dating, marriage, masturbation, breakups, health and wellness, and more. Whether the story is hysterical or downright emotionally raw, we hope Bedpost Confessions will either spark a fantasy or start a conversation. Maybe even both. There's a particular question that I get occasionally asked, and it always makes me sort of tilt my head. Would you like to know what that question is? The question is, do you ever miss the dick? The question always seems to be accompanied by just a hint of expectation, as if my answer would be that I don't just miss the dick, but I positively yearn for the dick. At which point I would immediately disrobe and hop on theirs post-haste. Because it's worth noting that the only people who have ever asked me if I miss the dick are straight cisgender men. They, they ask me this because for the last two years I have been in a relationship with a woman, but I haven't always been a lesbian. I was once a straight. I came of sexual age and identity at a place in time when straight was the default. It was the 80s in Dallas. No one in my high school of 3,000 people was out as LGBTQ, except for one person, my best friend, and he was only out to me. Um, just because it was the 80s. Allow me to set the scene of what I wore back then as a straight-identified teenager. Tall, spiky hair, bi-level, big hair, long hair, shaved on the sides, like Howard Jones. A men's vest with a large bolo tie around the neck of an oversized button-down, like Howard Jones. A metric shit ton of blue eye makeup, dark red lipstick, earrings as big as my face, long black wool skirt, and a floor-length black trench coat, like poor George. Despite my fashion choices, I was asked out quite a bit, but, but only by boys with dicks. Uh, in my senior year, <laughs> I fell in love with a guy who resembled River Phoenix. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm and whose soul was as sweet and sensitive as I imagined Rivers to be. I didn't much care about his dick, and in fact, we dated a year before I actually saw it or let it touch me. Um, once it did, however, all bets were off and experimentation was 
on. Because we were teenagers and bedrooms were off limits, we went at it in the backs of our cars, in the backs of our parents' cars cars, under a blanket in front of the TV while his parents were home and awake and who would occasionally pass through while we were silently and surreptitiously screwing and ask if we needed anything. (laughs) Sure, Mom, a Snickers, something to keep the blood sugar up? We fucked in hot tubs on the roof of the high school. Uh, We screwed on picnic tables in the sound booth of the auditorium and next to a gravestone in the cemetery. We once had sex in a closet. Yes, I had sex with a guy while I was in the closet. (laughs) One of my college boyfriends was a bartender at the Stark Club. Anybody? No. It was a long time ago. Uh, Star Club was a sexy, inclusive, celebrity-studded, marble-floored fun box with fancy unisex bathrooms that were just as popular as the dance floor. As tips, he would get the little white ecstasy pills that we would put to very ecstatic use on his days off. But after his shifts at the club uh, in the wee hours of the morning, he would let himself into my apartment while I slept, strip naked, crawl into my bed behind me, and wake me up with the dick. This was a consensual practice that I always anticipated, and it totally turned me on. It was my phallic alarm clock. (laughs) Awake now. So sure, dick is lovely. Um, But the dick is not some supremely special endowment of capability and competence and whose penetrative power is unparalleled. (laughs) Everyone's different, of course, but, but the clitoris is my personal source of of satisfaction, Um, and I don't really need a dick for that. (laughs) And the fact is that I actually count myself lucky that most of my experiences with men with dicks have actually been favorable, lots of them great, some good, some just okay. But there were actually a couple of experiences that were scary because they had convinced themselves that I very much wanted their dick, and I very much did not want their dick. And... As we know, there is an alarmingly high percentage of sexual violence against women, including trans women and girls, by boys and men who use their dicks as a weapon of aggression and dominance. If I could change only one thing about this world that we live in, it would be for such horrors to cease. So, do you see how the question, do you ever miss the dick, is, shall we say, a loaded one. It was in college that I first felt a penetrating pull towards another woman. She's a lead singer in a band, and for the next several years, I went to every gig they played in Dallas, swooning over her sexy swagger. Her confidence on stage and her sexuality eventually gave me a sort of permission to surrender my sexuality to whatever it decided to be. If you've lived in Austin for a while, you may know her. Her name is Patrice Pike. And I will be forever in her debt because after granting myself this certain self-acceptance, I embarked upon a sexual relationship with someone new, and the someone did not possess a dick. 
there was something so natural about Alice and I together. We were in our late 20s then, but we were old friends from junior high who were simultaneously discovering this piece of ourselves that we'd been forced to deny. And there was this freedom in that. We'd dress up and we'd go on these beautiful dinner dates where we'd get tipsy and make out in public, which totally turned us on. And then we'd go back to her place and fuck to Sarah McLaughlin. Just like real lesbians. <laughs> uh, a, a quick aside, just a real quick aside. So I have this friend who says that clit-to-clit sex, what some people refer to as scissoring, is not fucking. Presumably because there's no penetration. But um, the clit is powerful. <laughs> And believe me when I say that penetration can and does occur, if only slightly. So I maintain that it is indeed fucking. And do you know what else it is besides fucking? It is magic. <laughs> so, so besides the fucking, she and I did all sorts of fun things together. We went to concerts, Katie Lang and Melissa Etheridge. Thank you very much. We went to lesbian bars, to the state fair, even once took a trip to San Francisco, spending most of our time there in the Castro. I was pretty gay, and she was super gay. Um, but I wasn't quite ready to wholeheartedly settle into that part of me. Um, uh, so we broke up, and I got married. He was someone that I met when I was 15 while sitting on, on a curb in front of my friend's house. He had been a lover, a partner, and my best friend on and off for several years, and we decided to rekindle our relationship and take the proverbial plunge. And he had the dick. I loved his dick because it was attached to him. He was, he was and is an amazing man. We grew up together, and we are still the very best of friends. Do you know how many Patrice Pike concerts he took me to? So many, so many. Uh, we were married for 15 years. We have a child together. And the stories I could tell about us would, would fill an entire book. In fact, some of it did, because um, for the last five years of our marriage, it was an open marriage, and I wrote a book about it and about all the dicks that I encountered in that time. It's called Open All the Way, Confessions from My Open Marriage, and then the Kindle version is available for the low, low price of $9.99 on Amazon. <laughs> so despite the fact that I have a lot of experience with the dick, I am not really a straight. I spent the last two years cultivating an intense, emotional, and profoundly passionate relationship with my dynamic, strong, sexy, beautiful, and unbelievably wonderful partner, Nanette. <laughs> Nanette, who I call Nettie, like Nettie Pot, because she makes me feel better. <laughs> we own a business together. We co-parent my teenager together. We scissor on the regular. <laughs> exactly. And I just think my journey speaks to the fluidity of sexuality, how it doesn't have to remain so simple, so static and straightforward, and how it can kind of continue to transform into what it decides to be. We are all complex human beings and are now, fortunately, 
living in a time where we understand more about the elasticity of sexual and gender expressions and identities. And as I watch my, my teenager, who is transgender, grow up and into his identity, I've learned that just because you have a dick doesn't mean you're a man, and vice versa. And I am sensitive to any assumption that the dick is something to be revered and therefore missed if it doesn't happen to be hanging around any longer. And I mean this absolutely. I mean no disrespect to anyone who possesses a dick or who is looking forward to having their own dick one day. <laughs> Dicks are like people and that no two are alike, but you know, it's the person that makes the dick, not the other way around. So, do I miss the dick? Do I miss the dick? Eh, of course not. We have a whole box of them at home. Dead Piss Confessions is produced by Julie Gillis, Mia Martina, and Sadie Smythe. Audio production is by Ian Danskin. You don't have to attend a show to confess. With our confession scroller, you can confess with us anytime on our site at bedpostconfessions.com. Also pick up a copy of our anthology, Bed Piss Confessions, Real Sex, Real People, Real Stories, which features 35 stories and hundreds of audience confessions. Bed Piss Confessions, the anthology, found on Amazon in print and ebook. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, and if you have a sec, please help bring Bedpost Confessions to more people by rating the podcast. You know how it works. More ratings and reviews equals higher podcast ranking equals more confessions. Thanks for your support, and until next time, we will leave you with a few other confessions from the audience. I confess, the night of my first threesome was the night my brother graduated from UT, and he was also having a threesome across the hall. <laughs> Family values. <laughs> I confess, I struggle with jealousy, but the thought of being forced to watch my partner fuck another woman turns me on more than anything. I confess, with the first guy I slept with after having my IUD put in, I ended up bleeding all over his bed through to the mattress. I felt so horrible. Instead of saying it because of my IUD, uh, or instead of saying it was my IUD, I told him it was because his penis was so big. <laughs> Great save. Great save. <laughs> however, however, and I never saw him again. Oh, well, fuck. That was a wasted save. He likes the compliment of the big cock, but not, <laughs> just not into the blood. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>